if we're going to be successful in the process of righteousness, we must come to a place of comfort and confidence in the Trinity's heart for the process. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So, Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here today. Lord, we just... um are so grateful, God, that you're intimate, that you're personal, God, that you want to speak to us. And so, Lord, today we just make a decision, God, to just to stir up our hunger and to stir up our passion. God, we make the decision today to slide up to your table because you said that, uh, you know, that man doesn't eat uh, anything but by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And so, Lord, today we come with great expectation just simply to hear you. And so, Lord, thank you for continuing to uh, just grow, right, growing righteousness in our hearts and just growing holiness in our hearts so we can serve you and honor you uh, with every piece of our being. And so, Lord, thank you for the anointing. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome in this place. If you want to go to the left, we'll go to the left. If you want to go to the right, we'll go to the right. So wherever you want to go, just lead us today. We just open up our hearts to meet you here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, so we can just kind of start off and so everybody can somewhat be on the, the same page. Uh, let me just kind of give you a quick recap of the, of the previous weeks we had. Remember, it's good to smile and, and it's good to talk back, say amen, right? Amen. Good deal. So in part one, uh, we talked about the gift of righteousness. And, and in that, uh, you know, whatever, that message, we, the main focus was simply this, is that when you and I came and we put our faith in Jesus, God did this incredible thing. He actually exchanged our unrighteousness with his righteousness. And at that moment when that one single transaction happened, by that we were declared not guilty and we were declared to be in right standing with God. If you know that's good news, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So listen, in part two, we talked about how when God put us in right standing with himself, he not only just, uh, you know, put us in right standing, but he also positioned us to live up underneath what we call the blessing of righteousness. Believe it or not, the Bible simply says those who are are righteous, he will reward them. So in part three, we talked about how through our pursuit of righteousness that you and I actually have the ability to influence God's blessings in our lives in either a negative or a positive way. And it's true, guys. Basically, how we live our lives, we can either open up the door for God's blessing or we can close the door to God's blessing in our lives by our choices. If you know that's right, say yes. In part four, last week we talked about how the proof of righteousness uh, is seen in a transformed life. It is, it is seen or revealed by a new life that is marked uh, by holiness, it's marked by truth, and it's marked by love. And I, and I say that to simply say this, is, uh, you know, the proof of righteousness is not where we decide to turn a new leaf over. It's not where we become, uh, you know, have some conformity to a church. It's not where we, uh, you know, whatever have a new sense of urgency to you know, stir up our willpower to hopefully we can do better. None of that's proof of righteousness. The proof of righteousness is God's divine nature coming out of us, once again, which is holiness, which is truth, which is love. That's true. Great place to say amen. All right. So, all right. So this morning, I want us to, for the last time, I want us to turn our attention uh, to the process of righteousness, the process of righteousness. And I'm just going to ask as we, as we dive into this, once again, that you would have faith to hear God's word and you'd have hunger to hear God's word. Because I believe today, if you really grab a hold of this, it's going to encourage you. And uh, the truth is, is, is uh, the way I want to share this today is completely different than I've ever thought about it, completely different than I've ever preached it in 20-whatever uh, years with Jesus. So hopefully it'll encourage you. Hopefully it'll provide hope for you today. So let's begin by uh, looking at Acts chapter 26, verse 18, and let's kind of put ourselves in this scripture here. It says, and you will open their eyes to their true condition. Anybody remember their old true condition? It says, so that they may turn from darkness to the light 
and from the power of Satan to the power of God. It says they do this by placing their faith in me, that's Jesus, that they will receive what? The total forgiveness of sins and be made holy. A lot of translations say it this way, that they may be sanctified, taking hold of the inheritance that I have given to my children. So I want you to just maybe get this thought today before we dive in. God's word is just true. That's in this simple fact that uh, as we come to him, not only are sins forgiven, not only uh, does he make us holy or make us sanctified, but he also positions us once again to inherit his inheritance as being his kids. That's good news, right? Hopefully that made sense. All right, here we go. So in light of that verse, I want to do this. I want to maybe just take a minute, and I know this is different for every person in the room. It depends on when you came to Jesus. But if we can, let's just remember today for a moment, not to dwell on it, but just remember where we were at mentally, where we were at emotionally, where we were at physically, and where we were at spiritually before we became a believer. If we can maybe just take, once again, a moment to remember uh, who we were and how we were when we lived in darkness. Anybody remember those days? All right, five of us were there. The rest of us were saved in the womb. That's awesome. So uh, looking back at those days, I just think it's really easy to see that during that time of our lives, the life of God was not in us right? That, that we were completely blind to God's truth and that we were absolutely ignorant of God's ways. Maybe it was just me, but I think it was more than just me. So anyways, it, you know, the simple fact is this, is by the choices we made, we know this, that our choices were motivated really because we were all after one thing, and that was how can we fulfill the desires of our flesh? And that is proof that what? That we were, that we were being controlled, being led, however you want to word it, by our sin nature, that we were not controlled by God. Yes. So, but here's the good news. Thank God that somehow along the way, once again, everybody's story is different, but somehow along the way, guess what? We not only heard the gospel, but we also realized our condition or our need for a savior. And at that moment, when we, when we were aware that we needed a savior, a great thing happened. That gave us the opportunity to put our faith and to put our trust in what Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Good news, right? So as we've been saying for the past couple of weeks, The moment that you and I placed our faith in Jesus, we were not only instantly, but as that scripture just said, totally forgiven. I love that. that We were totally forgiven. And it's so awesome because when we were totally forgiven, that means this. It means that our past was completely erased. Are you thankful for that? Because I am. That our past was completely erased. That literally that the God that knows everything chose to forget it. That's amazing. And so at that moment, he gave us, guess what? Uh, uh, We'll just say it this way. A new lease on life. A fresh start. He made us a new creation. It is truly, as John 3 says, that we were born again. We were born anew. We were born the Spirit. Good news, right? So I say all that to say this. As incredible as all that is, and I hope you indeed see it as incredible because that's the greatest miracle that can happen, that a man can be born again, right? Or a woman can be born again. But, but this morning, I feel like I need to ask you this question. It is this, is, is uh, what's next? What was supposed to happen after that? It, you know, to maybe say it this way, it is, is that stuff we just talked about, is that all there is to this Jesus thing? Now, not to sound rude, but uh, I'll say this, by the looks of it, for many of the quote-unquote believers that I've met through the years, it would appear like the answer to that question, is that all there is to this Jesus thing? They would say, yes, that's all it is. And, uh, you know, I know this may be, you know, once again, hard to hear, but the reason I say that is because so many, for so many, their salvation experience pretty much sums up the totality of their Christian walk. In other words, this, that their, that their narrative has not changed in the last 28 years. Or how many ever years you want to add on it. It's like any time God comes up, the only moment, the only point of reference they have is a moment where they said a prayer. You ever met that person? So, once again, maybe to ask, you know, uh, is that all there is to this becoming a Christian or this Jesus thing? Um, the answer to that question is this, and we all know it. It's absolutely not. That's not true, right? Uh, you, you know, the Bible makes it really clear that our salvation was only meant to be the beginning of our new life in Christ, right? Now, to put it bluntly, 
and I don't know who I'm saying this for, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that the life of a believer should resemble a dog that returns to its vomit again and again and again and again. In other words, it's old way of living, right? And uh, we know that because what Paul said in Ephesians 2, he said this. Let's just read it. And you'll kind of see a synopsis of everything we just talked about. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, your condition, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about the devil, okay? In other words, you followed him. If you're not with God, you were the other guy, right? It says, the spirit, talking about the demonic spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Now, to make it clear, it's not talking about just sin of missing the mark. Transgression literally means that we missed the mark on purpose. Right, That even in that spot when we didn't give a rip, we didn't care, whatever, we're going to do our own thing. It says he still looked for us, right? And then it says in verse 8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For many people, they stop right there. But let's continue because clearly it doesn't. Because Paul goes on to say, For we are God's handiwork, His workmanship, His work of art, created. That means created anew in Christ Jesus to do good works. The word good there, actually in the Greek language, means that we were created for, everybody get this, for righteous deeds or righteous actions, righteous works. When God made us born again, he basically set us on this path, right, to do righteous things. And I love this, says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me pause here for a second. Because this part where it says that God prepared it in advance for us to do, it, it literally means this, that God has given us opportunities basically to walk this out. So it's not a done deal. But he's provided an opportunity for us to do that, for us to conduct ourselves in righteousness and to do actually the righteous or honorable deeds that he's called us to do. Yeah. Now, here's the point. Everyone in this room knows what it's like. Let me say it this way. You know what it's like for, um, for us to say, to think, to feel, or to do things that are way below God's standard. Right? right? We've all been there at some point, Right? But now that we become God's children, what we've been talking about for weeks now is that he came and he actually imparted into us his righteousness. He imparted in us his spirit, his divine nature, so that we could what? Have the ability, please don't miss this, y'all look, the ability to say, to think, to feel, and to do righteous things for what? So we can reflect his nature, so we can reflect his kingdom. Why? For his glory. See, see, a mark of a transformed life, guys, is, is that we quit living for our glory and we start living for His. Right? It's easy to live for our glory, our reputation, our pats on the back, our you know, praise from men. But it's another thing to say this, men, how does heaven feel about it? Yeah, completely different. So uh, let me maybe just say it to you this way and just, you know, whatever, maybe by a show of hands. How many of you guys have noticed that uh, saying, thinking, feeling, and doing righteous things is a whole lot easier said than done? It's a whole lot easier to read the scripture. It's a whole lot, you know, a whole lot harder to actually do the scripture, right? So, you know, for example, I just want to maybe frame this up in this way. Uh, There are times in our lives when we are, let's say, when we're patient and we're loving towards our children, Y'all stay with me here, all right? Uh, there are times when we, when we are oozing with love for our spouse and we find it a joy to be close to them. We find a joy to serve them, whatever, right? To be nice to them, go ahead and go down the list, right? There's times in our lives when we feel like, uh, you know, whatever, when we're kind and we're caring towards every person we meet, right? You bump into someone at Walmart, just kindness comes out of you, right? Whatever. And, uh, you, you know, then there's times where we have a positive attitude all day, if that's at work, if that's at school, whatever it is, we're just positive. And then there's days we're generous with our time, we're generous with our energy, we're, we're uh, you know, generous with our money. 
And then there's times where, where we're really excited, man, we can't wait, just, man, who, who's the next person we're going to encourage? And, uh, you know, then there's times where we are courageous about sharing, uh, sharing our faith. There, there's times when, y'all hang with me here, there's times when someone's rude to us, and we just, ah, whatever, it is what it is, right? We just let it, you know, whatever, roll off the shoulder. There, there's times where we do a great job of filtering our thoughts. Uh, you know, there's times where we, uh, you know, gladly drop what we're doing because we feel the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit to say, come spend time with me, and uh, there's times where when we wake up, we can't wait to read our Bible to worship, whatever, go down the list, right? But, but it's simply this, I want to ask you, when you consider things like that, would we say that those things are a lifestyle of righteous living? Yes. That they reflect, like four of us, think, yeah, sure, four of us, that's good, that's good, I'll keep preaching, we'll get there, right? So, so there are, you say, man, those things, those things are righteous, I, you know, I'd say so. But on the other hand, there was also times like this that uh, it, it depends on where you're at, okay, but where you're at in age. But there's times when we would literally rather go to the dentist for a root canal than even look at one of our children, <laughs> right? There's times where, where we get so angry with our spouse, man, we yell at them. After we're done yelling at them, we go there, we kick the dog, we grab something, sling it across the room, right? Maybe not you, okay? You're like, I don't even own a dog. Neither do I. All right, so anyways... <laughs> So listen, there's times where we are so rude and so unkind to anyone that even dares to look at us, right? There's times where we have a negative attitude about everything. There's times where we are, uh, uh, you know, whatever, that we could care less about another person's problem, right? That's their own situation. I don't care. I have no compassion, no pity for them, whatever. They're on their own, right? And, and there's times where we're really discouraged and we talk down to other people. There's times where we're scared to share our faith. Uh, you know, there's times where our thought lives stink. Uh, there, there's times where, you know, whatever, someone's rude to us. Uh, man, we, we cuss them out, maybe out of our mouth, maybe inwardly, whatever, and we want to point them to heaven with that blessed middle finger, right? <laughs> You're like, something's wrong with my pastor. I didn't say this was me, right? So, li listen, there's times where, where, man, our thought life stinks, man, that we, that we uh, you know, hear someone gossiping, man, and we run right to him. We just join in with it, right? You, you know, there's times where we're jealous and we're envious because somebody got what we want, right? There, there's times where we are full of insecurities and uh, so full of pride that we can't even get out of our own way. I know that's never happened to you. And, uh, you, you know, there's times where we uh, ignore, cautiously ignore the wooings of the Holy Spirit to go spend time with Him simply because there's seven more episodes that we need to watch before we go to bed on Netflix. Right. And, and there's and, you know, think about how many times that we've said, you know what, I'd rather sleep in today than wake up and read my Bible because we stayed up, watched those seven episodes on Netflix. Right. So anyways, whatever the list may be for you, I just really ask, does any of that resemble a lifestyle of righteousness? You know, I would say I would say no. So now, is it just me basically or this? Has, has anyone noticed how our lives are, we'll just say it this way, how our lives are so uh, consistently inconsistent? In other words, have you ever noticed that our lives tend to resemble this, uh, you know, big old, big old mixed up bag of, you know, those righteous and unrighteous experiences, right? And, and it's funny how, how we can literally... Uh, Bounce in and in inside and outside of those things, almost like a ping pong table throughout the day. Yeah. Come on, tell the truth now. So, so why is this the case? All right, it's kind of said everything that I said so far as so we get to this. It's because when you and I, everybody look here, please. When you and I gave our lives to Jesus, uh, God, right? God the Father put us in or we entered into this thing called the process of righteousness, the process of righteousness. And, you know, whatever, I'll say it this way. How many of you guys know that uh, even though we might have had a, a change of heart, we might have had a change of mind, we, you know, had a change in our motives, a change in our passions, you know, a change in our purpose, a change in our forward progress, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole work's finished, yeah. right? It just doesn't, right? Why? Because once again, we are in the process of righteousness. And by process, I mean this. We'll throw up on the screen. Yeah, thank you. That God has put us on a course 
of continual development. Get that word, continual, until you die, development that involves many, many, many future changes so we can live out the righteousness or the divine nature he has imparted to us. Does that make sense? That God has put us on a course of continual development that involves many future changes so that we can live out the righteousness or the divine nature he has imparted to us. Now, to use uh, correct biblical language here, okay? Correct biblical word. God is in the process of sanctifying us. He is in the process of removing anything contrary to his nature so that we could be, it's what sanctify means, so we can be set apart for his holy purposes. Once again, we are created anew in Christ for good works, his holy purposes, right? You know, let me maybe do this real quick. Let me, let me share with you a simple illustration that I read years ago that might help all of us understand what this process really looks like. This, the, once again, this process of righteousness, this sanctification process that we're all going through. Here's what I read. Uh, it said this. It said, picture a man who is a connoisseur of fine brass. It says, one day he's searching through a pile of junk on the outskirts of an old village when all of a sudden he spies an old, battered brass pot. It was dirty, stained, and beaten up, but his practice trained eye, uh, practice trained eye recognized it was a thing of value. If I can maybe pause there for a minute. When we hear that, my mind remembers this, that the Bible says this, that God came to seek and save that which was lost. Right, And that he came to look for something, what? Not not something that had no value, but something that was of value, which is us, right? So it goes on to say this. So he made his way through the junk, talking about the connoisseur, and he picked up the old pot and he set it apart by itself. And so doing, he sanctified the vessel instantaneously. But now since the brass pot is in his possession. He certainly couldn't leave something as valuable as this in its current condition. So what did he do? He committed himself to the process of spending many hours of cleansing, straightening out the dents, and polishing the old pot until it became the thing of beauty that it was originally designed to be. So listen, in light of this illustration, we know God sanctified us the moment that we were saved. The Bible clearly says that Jesus sanctified us by his blood. He set us apart. That he, once again, we were saved. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness and he put us into the kingdom of light. Good news, right? But the Bible also says that not only did he sanctify us, but now he, or sanctified us, but now he is sanctifying us, meaning that, guess what? He is now working just like that connoisseur to restore us and to bring us back to the original image and likeness that he originally created us to be. Yes, and that's, and that's ultimately this. You can just look at it this way. That where we were started, right, whatever, and now we're messed, however we came, came into the kingdom. Everybody, please hear what I'm about to say. In spite of your story, we all start at the same spot. Yeah. Hey, we, we all think, well, they, they got it better off. No, they don't have better off. We all start at the same spot because we all had the same sin nature, right? And at that spot, guess what? The sin nature, he saves us, puts us his nature in it. And now it's time for that nature to begin to manifest or come about, begin to grow in us so that we can ultimately become like Jesus. Right? I'll just say it this way. That, that the Bible calls it this way. That that's the old man who he used to be. And then the Bible says that there's a new man who is in Christ. And that's who he's called us to be. We could go a lot into that, but time won't let us. All right, so here we go. Let's shift gears here a little bit. What I want us to see today is this. is simply that the process of righteousness, for the process of righteousness to really work in our lives, I believe that there's five things in particular. There's many things, but five things in particular that you and I really need to get a firm grasp on if we're going to be successful at walking out this process of righteousness. In other words, if we're going to end in a good spot where God wants us. So the first one is this, and, and hopefully this will speak to you today. The first one is this, and I believe this is possibly the most important one, uh, that we need to, number one, we need to see that his posture, we need to see his posture through the process. We need to see God's posture through the process. In other words, what's God's attitude? What's his his, uh, temperament, if you will, through the process of while he's working with us, okay? Uh, Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says this, 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Love that. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the Bible doesn't say, now may the God of anger or frustration sanctify you. It says, now may the God of peace sanctify you. See, I believe today that that statement alone shows us so much concerning God's heart towards the process and God's view of us in our consistent inconsistencies. Right. In other words, that I believe that so often uh, you and I hear the lies of the enemy and we fall prey to what? To believing that God is constantly agitated, constantly impatient and even angry with us. Because why? Because we just can't get it right. Am I making sense? To understand, once again, God is love. And what's the first virtue of love? According to Corinthians chapter 13, it, love is patient. Right. So. Uh, let me make something really clear and give you a balancing statement here. Everybody look at me, please. It, it's simply this. If a person doesn't give a rip about God and they're a knucklehead, the God that they are going to counter is not the God of peace. Right? In other words, if, if, you, if you claim to know Jesus, but whatever, you're doing your own thing, that's not the God you're going to encounter. I'm not saying he occasionally won't show up on your doorstep, but what I'm saying today is you can grab a hold in context is that when you and I say, God, I love you with everything I got. God, my life, I want to honor you. I want to live for you. God, I am choosing to put myself in the position of the clay because you're the potter. Mold me as you want. The God that we will meet in that moment will be the God of peace. Yeah. Am I making sense? So the truth is this, and we'll throw this up. Here's why I think this is so important, and hopefully it speaks to you like it speaks to me. But, but nothing hinders the process of righteousness more than a sense of condemnation. Are y'all getting this? That nothing hinders the process of righteousness more than a sense of condemnation, which always includes what? Guilt, unworthiness and a sense of impossibility about ever being able to truly measure up to God's standard. In other words, it's simply this, that you quit before you get started, right? And, and you know, the, the fact is, is this, is, is why isn't God ticked off with us, right? We're trying. Why isn't he ticked off? It's because this, because he knows our holiness has already been secured by our position of who we are in Christ already. Right By the virtue of who we are in Jesus, uh, you know, once again, our holiness, because he already sanctified us, he already set us apart, he's not aggravated with us. He's patient, he's working with us, right? Let me, let me, let me say it to you this way. Um, you know, I, I, got, I got four kids, love them, love them, okay? They're not perfect. They're a work in process. They're being sanctified, right? And, and, and we help them in that sanctification process. Right now, do I get aggravated because my my four year old that's about to be five years old doesn't act like he's 20? So put that in perspective where we're at. We're all growing, gang. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank God. God's a God of grace. Amen. So so let me maybe say it to you like this. Rather than hearing verses like this. And viewing them, you know, whatever. When you hear the verse, be holy as he is holy. Wave your hand if you ever heard that verse before. All right, five of you. It's awesome. All right, here we go. You just heard it, right? You should have raised your hand. <laughs> so be holy as I am holy, right? Uh, you know, instead of viewing that scripture when you hear it like, you know, like God's, uh, you know, you know, wagging his, you know, finger in our face, getting he's super ticked off and super angry. Uh, maybe we should see it like this. Maybe we should see that that scripture, be holy as he is holy, is a glimpse actually into the Father's heart and into the Father's desire. And even, we'll say it this way, an invitation uh, for our lives. Come and be holy as I am holy. Yeah. See how that changes something? Yeah. Yes. So the point is simply this. If we're going to be successful in the process of righteousness, we must come to a place of comfort and confidence in the Trinity's heart for the process. It's better than what y'all talking, okay? Here's what I mean by that. Let me clarify something. By comfort, I don't mean this, because God's not after our comfort. He's after our completion, okay? But, but it's in the sense that I am comfortable. 
I, I, I'll say it like this, okay? So Brian is probably one of my best friends on the planet, all right? When, when I get in his presence, I'm not like, I'm not all nervous. And fear. I'm comfortable in his presence, yeah. right? Because I know he loves me. Am I making sense? And so it's the same thing. So many of us come to God and we're, basically, that I'm comfortable in God's heart towards me, right? That he's good, right? And that there'll never be a time where God will not be merciful to me. There'll never be a time he won't extend his grace. There'll never be a time that I won't encounter his love. Why? Because he is good and I'm his son and he loves me, right? So I'm comfortable, right? And I'm confident in his goodness towards me that guess what? In this process, it's going to be all right. Second thing we need to see is this, is we need to see his promise in the process. This is huge. We need to see his promise in the process. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. Let's slap the next verse on there. It says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body, it's another sermon for another day, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. That's a promise. He will surely do it. So please hear me. This divine call to holiness that we're talking about today, it was intended to produce hope in our hearts. Isn't that what a promise does? God promised them, it produces hope. There's an eager anticipation of what is to come. So it was originally designed and meant to produce what? To produce hope, not feelings of fear, not feelings of guilt, and not feelings of unrealistic expectations. Right? That's what religion does. Right? So, so listen, the truth is, is if fear and guilt and unrealistic pressure, if that stuff remains, guess what that ultimately produces? It produces hopelessness. And God is never in something that's hopeless. Yes? So think about it this way. Please hear me on this. How can you and I, how can we ever really gain significant ground with God, right? If our sense of being failures before we start never gets broken. Right? You'll never be good enough. You'll never be a man of God. You'll never be a woman of God. You'll never look like Jesus. You'll never be free. You'll never have victory. If I think I'm going to be a failure... And guess what I will be? I'll be a failure. But the bottom line is that that failure mentality does not line up with God's word about me. Right? Right? It doesn't line up with the covenant. It doesn't line up with God's promises. And so bottom ground, how can we ever gain significant ground if our sense of being a failure before we start never gets broken? Let's let it be broken today. Amen? So, So listen, in light of that, when we hear scriptures like this, that you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Man, for years I have heard that, uh, I've heard that verse and preached that verse solely as a command, right? You shall be perfect. The word perfect there means mature, not flawed. You shall be mature just as your Father in heaven is perfect. He is flawless. Are you guys getting the point there? So, so watch this. For years, I only heard it as that, once again, that command. And, and for some reason, because I saw it as a command, it's almost like in your heart you don't say it, but you almost feel like, ah, that thing was designed to make me fail. Yeah. Right? But, but what would happen if this, we begin to maybe look at that and see it as a promise the Father has made to us. Watch this. You shall, you will, I guarantee, be mature just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Listen, the simple change I believe in that, in that, you know, the outlook, you know, it basically has this. The outlook has the ability to produce what? Not fear, but a confidence in our future in Him. So, so I'll go here maybe in a second, but I won't say it this way. But at the end of the day, guys, um, when it comes to God's promises, we have a responsibility. Yep. Now hear me, we'll, we'll, we'll elaborate here in a minute, but I want you to say it simply like this for a second, that, that our responsibility at the moment is to respond to his ability. Yeah. And his abilities are always connected to his promises. Good. So the point is simply this, is that if, that if we're going to be successful in the 
and the process of righteousness, then we need to put our faith in his faithfulness. We need to put our faith in his promises. The third thing I want us to see today is this, is that his holiness is really about our wholeness. His holiness is really about our wholeness. Wave your hand at me real quick if you've ever heard the statement that said this. Guys, God loves you just like you are, but he just loves you too much to leave you that way. You ever heard that? (laughs) You know, it's almost like they don't say it, but the underlying thought is this. is, hey, man, you're saved, but God's kind of really embarrassed about you. (laughs) You know, so what he wants to do, he wants to bring you over here and, you know, hey, you hang in church, whatever, and you go to pray and you do all these things. And, you know, kind of in secret, God will clean you up so, so he can hopefully one day bring you out in public. Right? Like, like, like just something's messed up about you. But, but listen, that's, um, that's not the case. I think it's this. I think the reason, the heart behind that statement, because I believe there's truth to that statement, but I think it's this, that God fully realizes, uh, like that brass pot that we talked about earlier, uh, that we live in a broken, messed up world. Right? And, and this broken, messed up world has the ability to shatter, to smash, and to damage us to the point that we are reduced far below than what we were originally created to be. Very true. But here's the, the good part today is the good news is, is that we don't have to remain there. Right? And the reason I say this is because God, once again, has the ability to heal us of all of our brokenness, all of our disappointments, all of our insecurities, and all of our wrong thinking in our lives. So the point is, and then I'll bring it home here on the point, I'll make it clear, is simply this, is that if we're going to be successful in the process of righteousness, then we must see holiness as more than the eradication of sin in our lives. I'm making sense. So often when we talk about holiness in the church, it's because God wants to deal with your mess, your sin. Now, listen, does God wink at our sin? Does he turn? No, sin's a serious thing, right? Jesus died for it. That nailed him to the cross. I'm not making light of sin. We need to deal with sin in our lives. But, but what, I, what I'm hoping you see today is this, is that when it comes to holiness, it's not just about sin. And here's why I say that. Because the truth is, is if we live from our insecurities, if we live out of our pain and our wounds, our bitterness, our unforgiveness, going down the list, our fear, our depression, all of those things, uh, all of those things have the ability to um, limit us or hinder us from walking out this life and God's divine nature just as much as any sin we could ever commit. I'm going to be honest with you today. Did, did that make sense when I said that? Okay. So, so if I can maybe say it to you like this, I would dare to say that most people in this room, the, the thing that's hindering you from whatever you're, you're here and hindering you from getting where you want to be and where you feel like you need to be in God isn't some quote-unquote big sin in your life. It, it, it's another issue that you need to be made uh, whole from, that you need to be healed from. That's the biggest thing that's hindering you. And, and so what happens is, that's, that's why today it's not about let me come beat you over the head with a book. Not the point. God wants to make you whole, right? And and his invitation to holiness is an invitation to come and get well, right? The fourth thing we need to see is this, is he views change as an exchange. (coughs) He views change as an exchange. In fact, I'll just say it like this. Did you know that the Greek word for change, the Greek word for change actually means an exchange, It means an exchange. So if this is really true, in fact, I've been saying this for years, and hopefully I'm painting a picture here, that if we can get in our minds that um, the further we go in God, the less we can take with us. Do you get what I mean by that? In other words, uh, as the Bible says, basically, man, we're entangled with what? Our baggage that we just talked about, right? Our mess. And if we're going to get from here to there, man, the, each step that I make with God, guess what? The less of that stuff that I can take with me, okay? And, and so what I want us to see is this, is that, that just maybe when the Holy Spirit comes and begins to knock on our heart's door and he, you know, we feel the prompting that he wants to change in our lives, maybe it's him simply wanting to exchange something that we're holding on to for something that he has been desiring to release in our lives for some time. Right, And the reason is, once again, because the heart is, is here we are, we're holding on to stuff. Guess what? That has no eternal value, 
right? We can't take it to the next life with us. And he's saying, man, just give it to me, exchange it with me so I can release the goodness that I have, the resources of heaven into your life. So it kind of looks like this, gang. Y'all look, yes, it's this, that I, that I exchange, or we'll say it this way. What happens if I would exchange my impurities for his purity? What would happen if I would exchange my anger for his love? What would happen if I would exchange my bitterness for forgiveness? What would happen if I exchange my depression for his joy? Whatever it is that this exchange he's wanting to make, how much further along would I get if I would just be open to saying, Holy Spirit, I want to exchange? Right? Instead of acting like what we have is so great. So the point is simply this. If we are going to be successful in the process of righteousness, we must have an open, open ears and we must have open hearts to heaven's exchanges. Once again, that goes back to being uh, responsive to the Holy Spirit's nudges because once again, when we respond to those nudges, we are responding to his ability to bring that exchange in our lives. So quick question before we go to the fifth thing. And y'all can smile at me, it's okay. But the fifth thing is simply this, is, is what exchange does God maybe want to make with you today? Listen, there's not a person in this room today, including myself, that doesn't need exchange in some area. Right? So number five, and we'll make this quick, because I, I want to read something to you that's going to take me a second. But the fifth thing is this, is for, for us to be successful in this process of righteousness, and guess what? It requires to understand this that his promise still requires our cooperation. His promise, promise of sanctification, promise of holiness, still requires our cooperation. So often people live like this. Uh, When it comes to God, 100%, it's you. I'll sit and wait. Right? I'm going to go over here and sit on on what we call in the Baptist church, the blessed assurance. I'm going to sit in my blessed assurance that one day I'm going to go to heaven, but that's okay. Until then, man, I just, I am who I am, and, it, and it's what it is, right? But, but I want you to understand today, for this to really work, yes, it's God giving his 100%, but it's through our 100% that he gives his 100%. In other words, I must cooperate. I must be in agreement with God for what he wants to do in my life, yes? So it's simply this. I, maybe I'll make it really simple. How do I do this? I, I, I have learned to position myself for an exchange. Yeah. Please look at me. Good. How do I position myself for exchange? I say it all the time because God made it so simple. I pray. Yeah. I worship. I praise. I read my Bible. Right? It's that simple. I hang out with other believers. Right? I listen to the Holy Spirit. I, I listen to those nudges, right? And all of that, guess what? I, I try my best because I got a busy life just like you. Just because I work here doesn't mean I, got, I don't have a busy life. Everybody's got things that are yanking them all over the place. But, but it's this. I can tell the difference when I go and I hang out with the Lord. <laughs> Not when I make a quick pop in, high five, love you. But when I hang with him, guess what happens? I position myself for an exchange. And there's never been a time where I've went with, a, with an, an intentional and purposeful heart and mind to encounter God that I haven't walked away different, ever. Yes. In 20-something years, ever. And, uh, you, you know, I'll just say it this way. Um, if I'm not where I think I should be, it's not the Lord's fault. Right? It's because I haven't put myself in a position for enough exchanges to get to really where he wants me to be. Yes? So the point is this. If we are going to be successful in the process of righteousness, we must be intentional and actively involved in the process. All right. I'm going to read you something, okay? Now, I want you to hear it like this. I... I, I I wrestled with the scripture all day yesterday going, man, how can I shorten it? And how can I do this? And I, and I just finally said, you know what? I'm not even going to try because they need the whole package. All right? We all need to hear it. So I, I want us to hear this kind of in three levels today. I want us to, to read it. But I also want us to almost like we're praying it. Right? And so and almost I'll, I'll give you four that were, that were being challenged by it. And ultimately like, man, we're declaring this over our lives. 
Because see, there's something about if we really want to change, then we got to renounce what we've been in. We got to hate what we've been in, so we can somehow do what the Bible says here in a minute. We got to we got to take responsibility and put off the old man, so we can step into the new man. Am I making sense? Let's read this real quick. This is a combination of the new living and the amplified. You'll see the the uh, brackets. Those are this. It's the amplified Bible. It's where I inserted it. It was just too good to leave it out. It says this, that you and I need to throw off our old sinful nature and our former way of life, that we need to completely disregard our former nature, which is corrupted, discard, yes, your former nature, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes, that we would put on our new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy, living in a way that expresses to God our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, rejecting all falsehood, whether it be lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, let that one linger, spreading rumors, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all part of the same body. And don't let sin, or don't sin, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead us into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. If we were a thief who has become a believer, quit stealing. Instead, use our hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul, hear this guys, don't use foul, profane, worthless, vulgar, or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. How do you bring God's sorrow? By the things we just read. It says, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, fault finding. That's so easy, isn't it? And slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind and helpful to each other, tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another. How? Readily and freely, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Step into chapter five. It says, imitate God, copy him and follow his example. And everything you do, notice everything you do because you are his children. In other words, his DNA is in you. Be a chip off the old block, gang. Live a life filled with love that is value. It should say that values one another. Practice empathy and compassion, unselfishly seeking the best for others. Follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. For as believers, I love this, as believers, our way of life, whether in public or in private, reflects the validity of our faith. Says obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokings. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom of Christ, and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Boy, you read that a thousand times. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. In other words, that they intentionally don't care. They're going to sin, whatever, lifestyle. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and righteous and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Get that. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's pretty clear, gang. So, so listen. Um, 
What if we actually took, our, took those things we learned today and we applied it to those, that passage and we let it evaluate us and challenge us? Stand to our feet, please. But also recognize this, that that's God's promise for you. Amen? Just simply lift your hands if you don't mind. If you're comfortable with it or not, please lift your hands. Just simply say this. Say, Holy Spirit, I position myself today with my hands lifted high as an act that I desire to exchange the things I've been holding on to for the things that you want to release to me. So just maybe take a moment, if you can, just in your own heart, your own words, begin to tell him what you are exchanging. Simply say this, say, Father, I thank you for the promise that you have given to me, that I can be holy and mature like you. So today, I choose to come into agreement and to cooperate from this day forward with the Holy Spirit in those exchanges. Let me just pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that has their hands lifted up today that is genuinely desiring, God, to walk in your holiness, to walk in the process of righteousness. And Father, I just ask, God, as so often, Lord, that you would just help us to be focused, that you would help us have courage, that you would help us have discipline that we need to do our part. And God, as we do our 100, Father, I thank you, God, that you don't disappoint, but you come and you do your 100 and you move as well. So, Father, thank you for the great adventure. Thank you, God, today that it just isn't about salvation, but God, you have so much in store for us. God, to live a great adventure with you, God, that's full of good and honorable and righteous works. God, where we get to be a part of the kingdom, God, and see the kingdom moving. And so, Lord, thank you today for just coming to our hearts and healing us of all disappointment, all pain, God, all uh, just insecurities, God, and all wounds, God, so that we can be a healthy part of what you're doing in this day, this time, in this region, in this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.